0: Today's podcast features an article from Discern Magazine. Jesus and the Samaritan Woman at the Well While in Samaria, Jesus spoke with a woman at a well. That may not seem like a big deal today, but it was then. Why was this conversation so significant? By Eric Jones On their trip home to Galilee, Jesus and the disciples traveled through the region of Samaria. We find that recorded in John 4 verse 4. One of the few details we know about this trip was a conversation Jesus had with a Samaritan woman. Why was this discussion significant and recorded in God's Word? What should we learn from Jesus' conversation with the Samaritan woman at the well? First, let's consider who were the Samaritans. The Samaritans' roots in the land went back to the 700s BC when Assyria conquered the northern ten tribes of Israel. When the Assyrians conquered a people, they would often relocate them to reduce the chances of an uprising. After emptying the land of the Israelites, the Assyrians relocated Babylonians and others and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel. They then took possession of Samaria and dwelt in its cities. That's recorded in 2 Kings 17, verse 24. These displaced people became known as Samaritans. One of their beliefs was that gods were connected to geographical areas. Because these people now lived in land connected to Israel's god, the Samaritans decided to learn some Israelite practices and mix them into their own pagan beliefs. Hundreds of years later, they were still practicing a syncretistic religion that had similarities to Judaism, but was quite different. One key difference was the Samaritans' belief that Mount Gerizim, not Jerusalem, was to be the center of worship. The Jews abhorred Samaritans because of their ethnicity and their practices and avoided all contact with them. But as we'll see, Jesus did not share this approach. While traveling through Samaria, Jesus became wearied from his journey, John 4, verse 6, and stopped at Sikar, a town near Mount Gerizim. The disciples went to buy food while Jesus rested at Jacob's well. While Jesus was relaxing at the well, verse 7 of John 4 tells us, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. From his appearance, she knew this resting traveler was a Jew, and she expected he'd treat her as every other Jew had by ignoring her. But then he did the unexpected. He talked to her. He asked her for a drink. Probably no Jew had acknowledged or ever spoken to her before. But here was a Jewish man speaking to her and asking for a drink from her pitcher. Confused, she asked him in verse nine, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? John added a note of explanation for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Instead of correcting himself and turning away, Jesus kept talking to her. Jesus responded by confirming he knew exactly who she was, but she didn't know who he was. He said in verse 10, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The living water Jesus spoke of was the Holy Spirit, God's power that makes a direct relationship with him possible. He was telling her that a Samaritan woman could not only communicate with the true God, she was doing it right then and there, but could access his spirit. Consider the implication of his words. Judaism had become a very closed religion, limiting access to God to circumcised Jewish men. Though it was possible for a Gentile male to enter Israel through circumcision, it was a painful process that few went through. In essence, Jesus was saying that this Samaritan woman could access God and receive his power if she desired and asked for it. By saying that, he contradicted centuries of antagonism between the Jews and Samaritans. However, she didn't comprehend what he was actually meaning. She took his words about living water very literally, thinking he was talking about well water, verse 11. Jesus responded in verses 13 through 14, Whoever drinks of this water, from the well, will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him, the Holy Spirit, will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. He was not only saying this woman could have access to God, he was also saying she had the potential to produce spiritual fruit and live forever. In other words, salvation would be available to her, and by extension, to all Gentile men and women. But again, she interpreted this literally in verse 15. In order to jar her out of thinking physically, he told her something that no Jewish stranger could possibly have known about her, in verses 16 through 18. Jesus' knowledge about her personal life led this woman to realize there was something very different about him. She concluded that he was a prophet, in verse 19. She then took the conversation more seriously and pointed out the main difference between her religion and Judaism. In verse 20, she said, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, she referring to Mount Gerizim, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. She was struggling to reconcile his words with one of the obvious differences between their religions. How could this Jewish man say she could access God without worshiping at the temple in Jerusalem? She had probably never even been to Jerusalem. Jesus responded by revealing monumental truths. Verses 21-24, through Jesus said, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain, Gerizim, Jesus was saying that for true believers, it would be irrelevant whether they prayed at the Jerusalem temple, Mount Gerizim, or any other place. Instead of location, God is looking for those who worship in spirit and truth, in other words, with a correct attitude and understanding. She probably didn't fully grasp what he was saying, but interestingly, her mind went to the Messianic prophecies in verse 25. In one of his earliest and most unambiguous revelations of his messianic and divine identity, he responded, I who speak to you am he, in verse 26. A more direct translation of his answer from the original Greek would be, I am speaks to you, a use of one of the divine names of God from the Old Testament. Now, since Jesus contradicted some major Jewish ideas in this conversation, some would naturally ask, did this conversation reveal Jesus to be a radical? Throughout this conversation, Jesus appended many of the assumptions of his own people. Some may have looked at this and concluded that Jesus was a radical. But Jesus was no radical. What Jesus challenged were the unscriptural traditions the Jews had added over the centuries. In his inspired word, God never forbade men to speak to women. He never told Israel to avoid all forms of social contact with Gentiles. And he never intended his people to look down on others with disdain. Men developed these ideas. Jesus came to reveal the consistent and unchanging will of the Father. From the perspective of men, his conversation with this woman may have seemed radical. But from the perspective of God, there was nothing taboo or questionable about God in the flesh conversing with a human being made in His image. So what was the significance of the conversation? After the conversation, this woman spread the word to her city and amazingly, many of the Samaritans listened to him and actually came to believe that he was the Christ, John 4, verse 42. The Bible doesn't tell us what became of this woman after that. But the significance of the conversation goes far beyond that time and place. Up to that point, God had primarily worked with Israel. However, he had already revealed, even in the Old Testament, that his ultimate purpose was to open salvation to all people. You can read that in Psalm 67, verse 2, Psalm 72, verse 11, Psalms 86, verse 9, Isaiah 25, verses 6 through 7, and Isaiah 56, verse 7. Through this conversation and a parable he told later about a good Samaritan whose character outshone that of respected Jews, Jesus was laying the groundwork for a truth he wanted his church to know, that God was going to call Gentiles to himself. This would become clearer over a decade later through a unique vision given to Peter in the 10th chapter of Acts. When Peter fully grasped it, he summarized it like this. Acts 10, verses 28 and verses 34 through 35. You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. In a sense, Peter should have already grasped this. Jesus had already revealed through this conversation that it was lawful in God's eyes to keep company with non-Jews, and that access to God would be open to people from all nations. But sometimes it takes time to unlearn wrong beliefs and prejudices. After Peter and the other apostles recognized God's will, the church began to baptize and accept Gentiles, including Samaritans, into its ranks. Though it took years, they finally came to grasp the implications of this conversation and their need to remove the shackles of false ideas. If our beliefs and thinking contradict the will of God, we must be willing to change if we truly desire to walk as He walked. Thanks for listening. For more information from today's featured article, visit lifehopeandtruth.com.